Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. So on today's episode, we are going to talk about difficulty with executive sponsors of project work. So you could be working with an executive sponsor internally with your company on a temporary project that you're doing in additional to your regular role running a set of programs, or you could be a contractor or management consultant working on a project and responsible maybe to a day-to-day manager, but you have an executive sponsor as well. And this episode, what we want to explain in terms of how to differentiate between some of the past topics we've had this season on managers or skip level executives is that an executive sponsor isn't necessarily your direct manager or even your skip level. A lot of times an executive sponsor is a peer of the skip level or a peer of the manager, particularly when you've got large, broad projects that affect a number of departments or teams within a broader organization. So when you've got a lot of work streams, the executive sponsor might not be directly who you're rolling up through. And so a couple of examples, probably what I've seen most often with executive sponsors is that they will say their role in projects is to provide direction and then sponsor the projects in terms of resolving risks and helping the team as a whole make sure that they have the resourcing and the budget they need to deliver the project on time and achieve the outcomes set forth by the executive. So a lot of times the executive sponsor does need to be a little bit more involved up front to really ensure that their vision has been captured correctly by the project team. But what I've encountered most often as a management consultant is that the executive sponsor clarifies their vision their goals, the reasoning for the work, and kind of who are the key teams that you'll be working with and their roles. And then you get started and you're providing updates to the executive sponsor. And because this is one of many things on their plates, typically, they are in a position where you're doing maybe a monthly update or a quarterly update, and you're really just hitting on key things like progress being made, or risks that are really high level risks, like have the potential to stop the project if not resolved at the executive sponsor level. So often you've got enough support below that executive sponsor where you can get risk resolution and insight on the day-to-day and through weekly team meetings, maybe with a steering committee. But with the executive sponsor, they sometimes get either anxious for an update or have a new idea. And what I've done is see them go from really playing that role where they're getting monthly or quarterly updates and helping resolve high visibility, high impact risks to stepping in and adding a new outcome they want to see or pitching a new direction that they want the project to go, which depending on the size and complexity of the project can really cause quite a bit of chaos and potentially miscommunication. And so in those scenarios, typically it requires a resetting of expectations with the executive sponsor of who to communicate with and when. Not that that always works because really the executive sponsor is the sponsor. They're an executive for a reason and they're going to do what they want, but bringing it to their attention more times than not is going to make them think twice before doing that again. But I've definitely been on projects before and Justin, I don't know if you've had 
a similar experience where we are thinking that we're nearing the end, we're making great progress, we're maybe moving from the team stage of forming and trying to figure out what we're doing to that norming phase where everybody kind of understands. And then this sidebar is thrown at you. For example, I've been on system implementations and had the scope expanded to another group and we've got to go get their data. Or we've been told that somebody or a certain set of deliverables is out of scope and then they're in scope and they need them and want to see them quickly. Or there's additional details asked for by an executive most of the time because they've been asked for details that they maybe hadn't thought of previously. And these are details that you may not have been tracking. And now you've got to go back and try and quickly put all of that together and share it with the executives. It's really important to make sure that you have a regular rhythm that you're checking in with them and that it's really clear what the expectation is on what will be shared with them and when, and then how they can request additional information, really having, you know, one or two max primary folks that they interact with for their asks and requests to proactively avoid that. When and if it does happen, what I've done as a project lead and what I've seen other folks do is tell the team, because typically the team will start kind of spinning out a little bit. Oh my gosh, we didn't know we needed this. Now what do we do? What direction do we go? How to impact the current direction we've been given? And it's sort of like, just keep doing what you're doing. Continue down the road we set you on. And we, the leads, will go back to the executive sponsor, get clarification and come back to you and let you know how this impacts. So that's probably the best tip that I've been given and used when an executive sponsor sort of comes out of their lane and gives the team a direction where you weren't expecting is to tell the team, keep going as needed while we clarify this comment. And that sort of settles everyone for a moment. And then of course you have to do your due diligence and follow up. But that's one example of a difficult situation with an executive sponsor. Another example Justin and I were talking about prior to recording the episode is spinning up additional projects with scope overlaps. A project typically says, we will achieve X. We will implement a new accounting software. And you would have different work streams. So you would need to have somebody be, you know, looking at and scrubbing the data to go from the first system to the new system. And then you would have somebody sort of mapping the processes and the users and the permissions and all of that stuff. And they're all different work streams is what we call them within that project. So depending on the size and the scope, if I'm implementing a new software program for 5,000 people, and maybe we're going from five accounting software programs to now one that everyone will be using, well, then there's five different systems we've got to pull data from, scrub, and get into the new system. And so that's probably worthy of each team being its own work stream and having its own project manager and those kinds of things. But I have been in positions where instead of having work streams within that same umbrella project, an executive will spin up what should be work streams of the same project into multiple projects. So they will say, oh, I need to implement this new accounting software. I'm the executive sponsor. So I'm going to start one project that moves system A into system Z. And then I'm going to start a second project that moves system B data into system Z. And then third one, system C data into Z, instead of saying all work together. And what that does is cause complexities and potential effort duplication. And, you know, when I see that often is when an executive sponsor is maybe a sponsor because in my example, maybe they're the sponsor because they're over the accounting firm, but really who's the expert in 
software implementations, well, that's IT. And so there should be two co-sponsors kind of helping with that. It's about making sure the sponsor is the right person and suggesting co-sponsors, but it's also about spending a lot of time looking at the risks associated with it and making sure that you're documenting it in a really simplified format and that you can articulate it well to the executive and quickly so that they really understand what are the pain points that will be caused by me spinning up multiple projects that aim to achieve the same thing versus just overseeing one large project with multiple work streams and PMs assigned. And so it's about providing that education, but being able really to point out clearly what the risks are in terms of scalability and effort duplication and cost and those kinds of things in order to get the message to land with the executive sponsor so that they can then change behavior in the approach. Because really, when you run into a difficult situation with the executive sponsor, it should be taking up all of your brain power and time to get that fixed because you need that fix or the effects that go downstream with an executive sponsor not being aligned or not being supportive. I mean, you really put the whole project at risk of ever achieving the primary outcomes. And I would say that if you've done all of these things and you're still having difficulty with the executive sponsor, there are times when you go, okay, let's try it this way and see how it shakes out. Because the only thing you can do is raise the risk and make sure it's been articulated well and is well understood. You can't make the decision for the sponsor. Based on my experience, you know, 99% of the time, as long as I can communicate clearly to the executive, and that means I need to understand what the executive does and does not care about and how to communicate and keep their attention in the conversation and really get to the heart and meat of what they care about achieving through the project. I have to be able to articulate really well why that's at risk to get them to change their behavior. Yeah. I love what you're saying. And it resonates with a lot of my experiences. You know, executive sponsors can either be chaos engines or they can really make the difference between success. It sounds almost trite to say, I think it was Cotter who originally said that 80 to 90% And that percentage may be a little too high, but I don't think it's too far off. Of technology implementations ultimately fail because of lack of executive sponsorship. One could also argue, and I think your narrative supports not good executive sponsorship. So you might have it, but they can be the engines of chaos, or they can be just the wrong executive with the wrong knowledge. Or in some cases, I find in the world that I currently occupy, we have a lot of executive sponsors who are on the technology side, IT CIOs, directors of enterprise applications, but not the business. And we find that that's a big preventative to success. It's fine to have an executive sponsor within the IT shop, but we also need that business executive sponsor as well. That usually makes a difference in overall success. So some wise words. That's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to access additional resources such as case studies, tips and tricks worksheets, trainings, articles, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter, and more. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.